Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Another thing in a subscription business, if you truly have a subscription going, on January 1st, you've probably already booked about 70% of that year's business. So your sales are much, much easier through the year. You don't have to go out and start at zero again and say, okay, am I gonna close enough business to make this year a profitable year or, or successful year? Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Many CPAs struggle with pricing. Some have moved to flat rate or subscription pricing and many still work by the hour. Subscription, of course, is a hot topic. But for many CPAs, that business model feels too far out of reach and too theoretical to be able to put it into play in their business anytime soon. But if they don't make the transition, they risk missing out. Here today to talk with me about the subscription business model is my guest, Mark Stiving. Mark is a pricing educator and advisor. He's the host of the Impact Pricing Podcast and the author of Win, Keep, Grow, among other books. He professes to help companies win more business at higher prices. Mark Stiving, welcome back to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. I just heard your intro and I think maybe I stole it from you because you said work less and make more. Oh, well, I stole it from somebody else. I steal like an artist. Okay, good. <laughs> but it is true. I, my goal is always to help companies win more business at higher prices. Excellent. We love more business, especially at higher prices. We don't love business at lower prices. So let's dig in with a slow pitch here. Tell us about your book, Win, Keep, Grow. What's it about? And most especially, what made you want to write it? Well, the book itself is about subscriptions. And the reason I wanted to write it probably tells you what the book is about. I have been teaching pricing for 20 plus years. And in the process of teaching pricing, especially the last five years or so, people would ask, well, does this apply to subscriptions? Everything I teach has to do with value. And so, yeah, it's still about value. It's how do customers perceive value. And, and so I would always answer it exactly that. It's like, yeah, these, this applies to subscriptions. Now I wasn't wrong. But when I left that last role, Pragmatic, and I started just studying subscriptions, I realized that there were so many nuances in this business model. I had aha moment after aha moment. I was just, it's like I was smiling constantly every time I read something new. It was just so much fun. And I said, I got to write this down. I find that when I write books, it helps me organize all my thoughts 
And this was just me organizing a ton of different aha moments. We are going to get into some of those aha moments, but before we do, let's talk about subscription for SaaS, Software as a Service, where it is almost the norm now, it seems like. I don't remember the last time I bought a box of QuickBooks or Microsoft Office or anything else that comes with a CD-ROM. It seems like any software that you get now is in the cloud and as a service model. But yet, subscription is not reserved exclusively for software as a service. So can you talk a little bit about how other industries are making the shift from the traditional transactional model to the subscription model? What's going on? Yeah, it's actually a really hard problem for a lot of companies, especially if you are a hardware company, you have a physical good, uh, you have a service where you're, you're selling time, things like that. What you have to be able to do is figure out how you can add value to a customer on a periodic basis, on a regular basis. So a customer is constantly or at least very frequently receiving value from your product or your service. And if they're doing that, then they're much more willing to offer to pay you as a subscription. Because what they're doing is instead of paying you to buy a product, they're paying you for the benefits of what it is that they're getting. And they're, they're happy to pay you monthly, annually, whatever the time frame is, for this stream of periodic benefits. And that's the really important part. Now, in the world of hardware, this becomes super challenging because we have an upfront hardware cost. And every CFO in the world says, I got to cover my costs. How do you expect me to not charge for those costs upfront? And this is really hard for companies. What we have to try to do is decide, are we going to try to capture all those costs up front? And that kind of negates one of the huge benefits of subscriptions, which is it's easy for people to buy in or to get into your subscription. Or do we believe in our subscription enough that we're willing to allow them to just have the hardware or hold on to the hardware and they'll subscribe to the stream of benefits and we know that they're going to stay long enough that they'll easily cover our costs plus a whole lot more because we've offered them so much benefit. The cost up front thing I want to come back to, what's the opportunity here when you overcome the challenge of making the transition from tra uh, transactional, traditional transactional to subscription? What are companies who figure out the hardware cost up front and all the rest, the added stream of benefits and charging for and getting your pricing metric tied to your value metric? What's the opportunity here for businesses? Oh, there's tons of opportunity. For businesses, they love subscriptions or they should love subscriptions. First and foremost is our customers like our subscriptions more than they like our products. There's a real reason for this. The number one reason is that we as a company have to keep our customers happy if they're subscribing. One of my favorite ahas in the subscription world is in traditional business or transactional business, you didn't really care if somebody used your product, loved your product, but in a subscription, you care a lot because if they're not, they're going to stop subscribing and you're going to lose that stream of revenue. So that's really important. One issue then is that our customers love it because we actually work harder to make sure our customers love it and use it. It's a, it's a really important factor. Probably the biggest factor that most companies like subscriptions for is the valuation. 
There's a valuation, if you just think of multiples of revenue, it's not uncommon to get 4X to 10X your revenue uh, in a valuation for your company, which is huge compared to what a transactional business would get. Uh, another thing in a subscription business, if you truly have a subscription going, on January 1st, you've probably already booked about 70% of that year's business. So your sales are much, much easier through the year. You don't have to go out and start at zero again and say, okay, am I going to close enough business to make this year a profitable year or, or successful year? So that's three really good reasons. And what about for the people who don't imagine themselves to eventually sell their business? Is that factor of 4X, and by comparison in the accounting space, it tends to be anywhere between 0.75X, 1.5X, maybe two if you're doing really well. What if the what if the CPA thinks to themselves, well, I'm never going to sell my business anyways, so who cares? Should I still try and move to subscription if I don't care about the valuation piece? Well, I certainly think so. If you could think of a way to offer a continuous stream of benefits to your customers, Right? If, you're, if you're an accountant and your whole business is doing someone's taxes once a year, it doesn't matter if that's a subscription or transactional, it's the same thing. We do it once a year. Who cares? But if you can truly give a stream of benefits throughout the year, then the idea of having subscriptions means odds are really good you're going to have a much higher lifetime value for the, any individual customer. It is harder for customers to leave you because you become ingrained into their, their workflow, their thinking process, the things they do. They don't pick up the phone and call you because, hey, I've got this project I need done. They pick up the phone and call you because they call you every week because you offer them services or give them solutions to problems or advice that they truly need. And you become an integral part of their organization. Got it. Customer lifetime value much higher than if you're not on subscription. Can you talk a little bit about the risk of strictly treating your subscription as a payment plan and taking the, well, it's, you know, your tax return is going to be plus a couple meetings a year is going to be, let's just pretend $5,000 or let's make the math easier, $6,000. I hope I made it easier. So divide that by $12, $500 a month. Can you talk about the risk of just converting it into a payment plan and missing the added value that you can add when you fully grok what subscription is. Yeah, I don't think that there's risk in the sense that it's any worse than being a transactional business, right? If I charge you $6,000 a year or I charge you $500 a month, who cares, right? That's just a payment plan. There's not a huge difference in those two, but there's a huge difference between that and subscriptions because in the world of subscriptions, we need to think of this as this continuous stream of benefits. Now, I don't know accounting firms well enough to be able to say, here's what I would do as an accounting firm, or here's what the benefits might look like. But I've run enough businesses to know that I've always got accountants or CFOs or somebody that I can talk to because I don't know that stuff well enough. And I need someone to give me advice. So who's doing that? And that could be a feature or function that accounting firms can offer. And people would be willing to pay a subscription to to constantly have someone on call to say, help me understand what this means. So I think where the conversation needs to go for accountants and CPAs who want to bring a subscription into their business is to really understand what the stream of benefits could be beyond just the delivery of your, your sort of month-end deliverables. So one of them is, as you mentioned, help me understand what this means, which I could imagine a lot of business owners having that exact sentiment. I did write down a whole ton of these. I don't know if this would be useful, but because I 
come from it from the other side of things as a non-accountant, non-CPA, if I'm just allowed to speak about what I find valuable, it's making sure that I'm not forgetting things. It's making sure I'm not avoiding things that I would just as soon prefer to avoid. Um, making sure that I'm not pretending to you know, avoid reality about and put on my rosy colored glasses. I want somebody to challenge my own thinking, right? And to look at my business and to be like, hey, have you thought about if you eliminated this revenue stream and freed yourself up what you could do because this other one is way more profitable or whatever it might be. Or someone to suggest how other people are doing it successfully because I don't know everything. I mean, there are heaps of benefits that an accountant or CPA could potentially offer their business owner. How do they go about understanding what's most valuable to their business owning clients? Okay, this is a really hard question. It turns out that I'm writing a third book right now called Selling Value. Excellent. <laughs> when should we book you for our next interview? Yeah. And and this book is is truly about understanding what our customers value and how to have that conversation, how to communicate with that, that with them. What I would recommend that accountants or anybody does is talk to their customers on a regular basis and try to find out what problems they're dealing with. So are they dealing with problems like, um, my bookkeeper does my books once a month uh, and, and I look at it, but I don't really pay any attention to it because I don't know how to read it. Right? It doesn't mean anything to me. Okay, great. That's a problem. Wouldn't it be great if we could solve that problem for them? And the more of these problems we collect over time, then we could actually have conversations with our customers and say, do you have these problems? Which ones might be most important to you? Um, what if we could put together a service that could help you with these things, these issues? And, uh, and then how much value might that have to them? So... What I want to ask you about then is where the difference between value pricing for a discrete project that has a beginning, middle, and end and might have specific results or outcomes at the end of the project where you're like, okay, great, we you know 90% achieved our objectives, you know what you're doing now, you're good to run on your own, versus as one sort of way of packaging your services versus subscription, which is ongoing. How do you have the sort of we solve problems mentality inside an ongoing service when if you solve one problem, you don't want your customer to be like, okay, great, thanks, we're done, peace out. How do you think about it differently? The question becomes, what's the continuous stream of benefits, not the singular problem? So if you're going to help me uh, every month, you're going to look over my books and tell me, oh, look what I found this month. Here's something interesting that we ought to take a deeper dive into and understand what's causing this. So you're doing stuff that I wouldn't do, my bookkeeper wouldn't do, right? You're helping me think through my business, but you're doing it every single month because next month something different's gonna happen than last month happened, uh, which is very different from, I need, my, I need to get my taxes done, right? My taxes is a project, and so we can bid on doing your taxes as a project, or we could bundle that into, oh, and by the way, I do taxes as part of the service as well. Let's talk about pricing specifically inside subscription, because there are a number of things you could tie your pricing to. You could tie it to usage. You could tie it to the number of users you have inside the business. You could tie it to access. You could tie it to software as a service, ties it to participants. What are some of the pricing metrics that you've seen other companies in the service spaces tie their subscription pricing to? First off, excellent job using the word pricing metric. Uh, let me take a moment and define that so that everybody who's listening gets it. So a pricing metric is what do we charge for? And a pricing metric um, in the world of SaaS 
we suddenly opened up our entire world because we could charge by the gigabyte or by the download or by the user or by the, you know, whatever, click. There's so many things we could charge for that we suddenly realized, oh, look, we don't have to just charge for a product or we don't have to charge for an hour. There are so many things we could charge for. So now the question becomes, as a service firm, what is it that you could charge for or you do charge for? My recommendation in, in this case might be to have a flat rate on a monthly basis with defined things that you're willing to do, defined capabilities that you're willing to offer. And so what that would mean is if you wanted to get more for the customer, you might be charging more because you're offering more services or more capabilities to that customer. So that may be the right answer. Now, I obviously would have to dig into this and truly understand it. But in the end, the answer to a pricing metric should be we get paid more as our customers get more value from what it is that we offer. I'm not, a, I'm not expert enough in the accounting world to say, here's how I would derive that or here's how I would describe that. But in the SaaS world, if I'm selling advertising, if I'm Google and I'm selling ads, the more people click on my ads, the more value they're getting. So that's why we sell by the click, which makes a ton of sense. And, that, and that's something like what we would want to try to find, but I don't know that that exists in the accounting world. Uh, challenge accepted. We will find it. <laughs> All right. So we were in usage and how to tie your pricing to the right pricing metric inside subscription. And I think what we came to was we don't know yet. Right now, it's going to be based on services and capabilities in a sort of good, better, best scenario. But we know that it's not going to be number of clicks. It's not going to be pages of reports. And it's not going to be time that I spend working on your material as a client. So it's going to be something other than those things. Yes. And, and so let's just spend a moment and talk about this for a second, because I think this is a fascinating problem and insight. Let's pretend for a second that there's not going to be good, better, best. There's just one type of services we offer, and we offer the same set of services to every client, and we've picked a number, whatever it is. It's $5,000 a month, and that's what we charge people. We charge them $5,000 a month. Here's what's going through everybody's mind right now. What if they call me every day? What if they want to talk to me every single day yeah. for three hours? That's, I'm, I'm losing money. This is horrible. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And the fear is incredible. So I'm going to give you two answers to that question. First off, they're not going to. They don't want to talk to you for three hours a day. So don't worry about it. Right? And you, you, it's this fear that you have that probably 99% chance is not founded for any situation. Second, if you find a client really is calling you too much, you fire them. You say, look, I'm so sorry, I can't take you on as a client anymore. Um, this is the way it works. And, you know, I'll keep you for 30000 a month, but, but the way this is working, I can't do it for 5000 a month. And, and so we just course correct. But don't not do this because of that fear. I say that that is a client problem, not a business model problem. Yes. <laughs> so since we're in the nitty gritty here, let's come back to the implementation fee, the sort of cost up front and the CFO is like, hey, we got to make sure our costs are covered. Let's charge them double for the first two months. And this happens. This is commonplace right now for 
accountants and CPAs who are offering ongoing services, that they double up the onboarding fee for the first two months. Can I tell you what that means to me when I hear somebody tell me that? Yeah, please. That means to me they don't believe in their product. That's I, So what it means to me as somebody who's been on the receiving end of this is they don't believe in me. Like, what do they think? I'm just going to bail in six months? Oh. Like, whose side are you on here? So, so I actually would think it's, I put the blame on them because if they deliver a killer product to me, why would I ever leave? Right. But if their product is, if, if their product sucks and they have to charge me a lot of money up front in order to recoup it so that, because I'm going to leave in two months, then, okay, I understand why they're doing it because their product sucks. Yeah. Okay. So it sends a number of bad signals that you don't want to be sending. We've uncovered at least two just now. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, without having to think too hard about it. Uh, there was also the added friction of, wait a minute, for me as the buyer, right? Is like, wait, how much is it again? Is that the double price or is that the half price? Which one is that? And the friction of, okay, you're going to ACH my account. I have to have how much in there again on which day? <laughs> Does that sort of, is that going to exceed my minimum balance? And the number of times that I've had this thought of how much money needs to be in my bank account so that whenever my CPA auto ACHs it and they're auto ACHing double the thing that, I've got to make sure, you know, the number of times that I've had that thought in my head is like a splinter in my hand that just won't go away. And then I keep running my hand across and I'm like, oh, I can't wait till this is over so that I can go back to my normal system. So there's that. And what else? What were the other friction points? Can I give you one more? Yes, please. One of the big advantages to going subscription is we offer a low enough monthly price that people can get into our product and try it and make sure it's what they want. And so if we're going to charge a much higher first month, second month price, we just got rid of one of the huge benefits of having subscriptions. Yeah, that people are less likely to buy from you because the upfront cost is twice as much for two months. So you're sort of pricing people out who would have potentially, might have potentially purchased from you. And even if it was just a trial basis, the question becomes, uh, do you really lose money on somebody who uh, joins you for a month and says, no, they weren't that good, I'm going to leave? So did you lose money? And if you didn't lose money, you just broke even, think of that as a, even if you lost money, you could think of that as a marketing cost or a sales expense and say, look, I brought somebody into the platform and it just didn't fit for them. Yeah. So in this space for accountants and CPAs, it seems to me like if you've done, if both parties have done their homework, that they've adequately vetted the client and said, and figured out if that client is going to be a good match for their service. And if the client has adequately vetted the CPA, which we would hope that they would do, Maybe we're overestimating people, but changing CPAs and changing accountants is no easy thing. Like most people don't want to do it, right? So they're going to put some thought and energy into the change. And it seems unlikely to me that people are going to go through all the effort of, you know, the on the buyer is going to go through all the effort of the onboarding and the exiting of their previous accountant and then bail after a month. I mean, you'd really have to stink as an accountant or CPA or have a gigantic mismatch in order for them to bail in such a short amount of time or in a short enough amount of time that that engagement is not profitable. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair because what you just described to me is a buyer. Not only do they have to put out some chunk of money in order to engage a new accountant, but they also have to put out a bunch of time and effort. And so that just doesn't happen easily. They're proving that they're they're potentially a loyal customer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the, in terms of win, keep, grow, you talk a lot about how business owners focus on the win and they focus on the keep. 
But what they tend to not focus on because it's rarely urgent is the grow piece. So can you dig into the different ways that business owners can grow their subscription? I can. May I please take a step back? And I want to talk about Win, Keep, Grow for just a second. It happens to be the title of, happens to be the title of the book, but it's also the most powerful framework that you have to get your arms around if you're going to have a subscription business. Because before you had a tra- subscription business, the only thing you cared about was win. I need to go win a customer. I need to go win another piece of business. As soon as we go to subscription, suddenly we know we have to win customers and we better keep them because we're not getting as much for the initial sale. So we need them paying us month after month after month. And most companies do a really nice job, most subscription companies do a really nice job at watching their churn rates, uh, knowing how many people are leaving, trying to keep customers from leaving. So those two revenue buckets, companies do relatively well at. The key problem is companies rarely look at the grow bucket. And the grow is a third revenue bucket, which the most powerful, uh, most profitable companies focus on. And grow doesn't just mean grow your company. It actually means grow the customers that you've already won. So how can I get a customer that paid me a dollar last year to pay me more this year? And there are really four ways that you can do that. One is you could raise their prices. And once you've got a customer, it's as we already talked about, it's really hard to, for customers to switch. They won't like it when you raise prices, but they'll just look at you and say, yeah, okay, got it. Um, every single year, Intuit raises my QuickBooks prices every single year. Every year I hate them for it, and every year I keep paying them for it. So it just happens. There's nothing we can do about it. So we can raise prices because it's so ingrained in our customers' businesses. Another one is usage. This has everything to do with the pricing metric. So if we were to go back to uh, Google ads and selling clicks, the more clicks, the more they pay us. Well, what if you're Google and you convince people to do more ads and get more people clicking? Then you're making more money because they're paying by the click. If we could find a pricing metric in the world of accounting, that then we could say, hey, you know you're making more money the more reports I do, or whatever it happens to be, then they're making more money and they happily pay us more because they're using more of our product or whatever it is that we've chosen as a pricing metric. The third one is upsell. Upsell is, I got you into my platform, into my world, using my good product. But now that you've seen my good product and how good it is, doesn't it make a ton of sense for you to upgrade to my better product? Or maybe from my better product to my best product. So I want to get people to pay me more money by the, by the packaging that they've chosen. And then the fourth one is cross-sell. Now, cross-sell and upsell are probably closely related, but I tend to think of cross-sell more as I've got a different uh, product or capability that's kind of related, but maybe not. So what if, and I'm making this up, don't think this is a great idea, but what if an accounting firm partnered with a legal firm and started selling legal services by the subscription? That would be a cross-sell. Or how about we do your accounting, how about we also do your taxes? Or we do your taxes, how about we also do your payroll? Okay, my naivete says those are all part of accounting, but yes, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, and I do want to ask a clarifying question in this upsell versus usage. 
because usage seems to me like you're using the same thing, but just more of it. And where it gets fuzzy for me is if you're upselling to a higher level, maybe, okay, maybe I'm answering my own question here. That might include more usage in addition to more capabilities. Do I have that right? Yes. So when we think about packaging, we're, we're, I'm talking about upsell for a second. And I want you to get go from my good package to my better package. So maybe the good package is a monthly review of your books and uh, taxes at the end of the year. And my better package is monthly review of your books, taxes at the end of the year, and payroll. So I've added more capability. And so, so that's the packaging. The usage part is, oh, let's go to payroll. That would be a great one, right? So I've got payroll as part of my package. And for payroll, I do up to 20 employees at this price. But if you want 30 employees or 50 employees, I have these other levels that I can put into my usage levels, into my packaging levels. But at the same time, I could also just sell, oh, we sell payroll by the employee. How many employees do you have? It's 20 bucks an employee or whatever the number is. And so that would be a really good, interesting uh, pricing metric. Great. Thank you. So last couple of questions here. You mentioned in your book a couple of companies that go from $1 million to $100 million. And Shopify does it in six years, Twilio does it in five, Slack does it in two. So what makes that level of growth possible? And what are they doing that the slowpokes for whom going from 1 million to 100 million in, God forbid, 10 years are not? There's no way that I know the answer to that question. It isn't a generic answer. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it in two years. Sure. But in general, it has to do with the problems they're solving and how they're able to get into the marketplace. Uh, Slack used a technique called product-led growth. And product-led growth, I didn't put this in the book at all, but product-led growth is usually where people can get a hold of our product, they start to use our product, and the more they use it, the more they love it, the more they use it, the more they love it, the more they upgrade, the more they tell their friends, their friends start to use it, and they've built this huge, really, really quickly built this huge network uh, with network effects and product-led growth. So they dominated that space very fast, which was good for them. I can't see an accounting firm doing that. Yes, they don't have the same advantage of the more people use it, the more the single user benefits. Similarly, like LinkedIn, it's more fun when your friends are on it or Facebook or, you know, whatever other WhatsApp or whatever. So last question here. What do you see in talking to businesses who are wanting to or attempting to make this transition to subscription? What do you see as the biggest impediments? I think there's a few. Number one is going to be cash flow. Cash flow problem for a lot of companies This may not be true for accounting and CPA firms since they typically sold either by the hour or by the project, which they'd estimated hours on anyway. So it's probably not that big a deal for them. But for a lot of companies that are used to selling million-dollar software, and now they want to go to subscription, as a general rule, take that number, divide it by 36, and and that's a monthly price. And so you went from getting a million-dollar check for selling a piece of equipment to getting 30,000 a month for selling a piece of equipment. And that's a huge, huge cash flow hit. So, so that's a big one for a lot of companies uh, in, in terms of their impediments to going. There's a mentality that companies want to use this as a payment plan, not a subscription plan. 
to be a subscription company, think beyond what people are buying from you today. Think about what are all the problems they have, what, what's that stream of benefits that you could help them achieve that are above and beyond what you do today. And you can do that because you're offering them services. You're part of their company. And, and if we could start to think that way, then we're much more likely to, to build a successful subscription business. And then the third impediment is in the SaaS business, this is absolutely true, but I would argue it's probably going to be true even in accounting firms or, or other types of service firms. And that is we're, we're going to start to need a new department that's called customer success. And customer success, their role is to say, how well is my customer succeeding with my product? What ends up happening is if customers are not being successful with our product, they churn out. They stop paying us, which is really bad. The other thing that happens is as, they, as customer success helps them be more and more successful with our product, whatever that looks like, then not only do they stay, but they have a more likelihood of increasing usage and upselling or upgrading themselves into higher packages of our products or even buying other services or features that we might offer. So that customer success department, that customer success attitude suddenly becomes really important that, that traditional companies have never thought about before. I love that. You don't even have to have the department, you can just have the attitude of the more our customers succeed, the more our business succeeds. Mark Steiving, it's always so great to talk to you. If people want to find out more about you and your business and your books, where can they do that? Uh, my website's impactpricing.com. They can always email me, mark at impactpricing.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post stuff constantly there. Uh, so find me there. Uh, just Mark Stiving. You'll find it. Excellent. We'll link to both of those things in the show notes. And we'll link to your book, which you can buy at Amazon or anywhere books are sold. I'm well. sorry, I think you're supposed to say anywhere fine books are sold. Thank you. Anywhere fine books are sold. <laughs> it's always great to have you, Mark Stiving. Thank you for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. It was fun. It is always great to talk to Mark about pricing. If you have a subscription business model in your business and you want to improve how you price it, head over to shethinksbigcoaching.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price your services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.